This episode is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad. Enjoy! It is the Chicagoverse podcast on the Dynasty Podcast Network, featuring interviews with Chicago's premier artists in industry and creatives and culture leaders. Hosted by Haima Black, welcome to Chicago. All right, Dynasty Podcast. So we are live here in 2020, uh, heading into year 15 later this summer. I'm a Black. I am at Dynasty Podcast Studio in Pilsen. I am here with Jack Armando from Panic Priest. And man, you're a guy who I've spoken to a number of times in the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. This is something we uh, we were hoping to do like last year. And then like, man, schedules just, you know, you know how it is. Schedules get in the way. So I'm yeah. glad we're able to start the year this way. <laughs> yeah, schedules get in the way. But here we are. It's happening now. Exactly. So, you know... How are things? We're going to talk all about this great new, well, you know, I say new, but it's not new, new, it's newer. But this project that you are currently, you know, active with called Panic Priest, but how are things? How was the year for you last year? Last year was awesome for Panic Priest. I felt like I got to play a lot more shows. A lot more people were sort of um, asking me to play things, tours, things like that. And I was getting out there. I felt like you know, people were starting to hear about the name and listen yeah. to the album and stuff like that. So it was an active year. And that's great. Like, how difficult is it when you're a quote-unquote new artist, even though you've been in the game for a while, but still under a new name, when you're a new artist, how difficult is it to get that new project in front of people? I really find, like, like I think some people think there's a bigger advantage to maybe having been in something and then starting a new thing than there actually is sometimes. I don't... I think people judge your thing on your thing and I think that a lot of the f- it is sort of like starting over again like sure there's there's certain advantages from just experience and you might have some crossover fans and things like that but I really find that I've created a lot of new fans for Panic Priest and there's probably a lot of people that <laughs> are in love with Michael Mask and they're like this just isn't the same and <laughs> and that's fair because it isn't and there's probably a lot of people that um like Panic Priest, but maybe don't listen to Michael Mass so much. But then there's people that like both, um, you know. Yeah, and I can definitely see that there would be crossover because Michael Mask and, you know, Panic Priest, they're both, even though obviously they're different sounds, different vocalists, if they were both played in a mix at, let's say, like Neo Nightclub, sure. people wouldn't just be like, what is this? Why are you playing the Dixie Chicks? You sure, know? and it, yeah, and I mean, it's, yeah, <laughs> we never got compared to the Dixie Chicks. Well, yeah, but I, yeah, what I'm just saying, like, they wouldn't sound so out of place no, in the same No, but Michael like, Mask yeah. really evolved a lot, too, though. So, sure. like, the early Michael Mask stuff, I think, sounded a lot different than the later Michael Mask stuff. And But the later Michael Mask stuff, yes, I think you can see how, me as as a songwriter, my role in that band was kind of I was headed in this direction anyway. I was getting darker. I was that's what was happening. <laughs> sure. Well, you and know, more electronic and all that stuff. Absolutely. What was the mindset like after My Gold Mask? Towards the end of My Gold Mask, you know, did you already have in mind that you were going to do your own project, or, or bring us into like the origin of this and, and kind of the end of that? Sure. So I mean, basically, you know, I was in My Gold Mask with other people and Greta. She really sort of found a new passion and a new direction. And um, I had all always had these songs that were sort of um, in little nuggets. I wrote a lot of the material in My Gold Mask, including lyrics and everything. But I was writing for a different singer and through a different perspective and with mm-hmm. Greta as well. And so the, the things, it was personal, but it was sort of like a different 
it's, it's hard to explain. I was writing with a different singer. We have, me and Greta have extremely different voices. I always think that's an interesting thing, not to interrupt you, but like whenever I'm listening to Fall Out Boy, I have to remind myself those are Pete Wentz's lyrics that sure. Patrick Stump is singing. Yeah, and I mean, Greta wrote lyrics too, but sure. we would co-write the, the lyrics and a right. lot of the things that I wrote a lot more of it than maybe someone might expect since I wasn't the lead singer. But in any case, there was definitely a desire in me to sort of become a lead zing- singer again. And I had to sort of like refine my voice because I hadn't sang for so long and I hadn't, like as a lead singer, I mean, I did some backups and, and uh, some leads in Michael Mess, but not much. It was very exploratory for me. And I came to the conclusion that I really wanted to sing. And I know that sounds funny, but meaning I no, didn't, sure. didn't want to scream. I didn't want to be monotone. I really wanted to sort of get into more of this like crooner aspect of my voice, which I had for many years denied and avoided because when I was a little kid, my dad is a crooner singer as far as Sinatra, Interesting. Pavarotti and okay. things like that. And I think in some sort of rebellish, rebellious fashion, and this is a realization I'm having now where I think I sort of avoided singing that way because I thought, you know, I had to, I had to do something. I couldn't sound like my dad, you know. And sure. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, and I don't. I mean, obviously, my music is very different from a genre style perspective, but from a tenor, from uh, the way it's presented, the smoothness, the crooner aspect, that all came from my dad, and that was very natural. And I just embraced it and realized, no, I, this is what I'm, this is natural for me, and me trying to avoid it is actually making me do something unnatural for me so that was the discovery yeah so in the beginning you know were you like okay I've already got some song concepts or I've already got some themes in my head or like how do you I'm always interested in in how people just like take something that's in their head put it on paper or put it in you know pro tools or or what have you sure and then and then when does it become this public thing that people are aware of and you go hey guys I have something new sure well it's it, that's a good question <laughs> I think you have to sort of feel it out and when it's ready for you a lot of these songs you know I also the other thing with Panic Priest is in My Gold Mask a lot of the electronic stuff wasn't done directly by me it was done by either James Andrew or or our producer Baltazar Delay but I would have an idea for an electronic part, and I'd be mm-hmm. saying, oh, do this bleep, bloop, bloop, you know, sure. <laughs> some really bad language of that I couldn't convey, and I really relied on other people. One of the other things with Panic Priest was me learning how to do it myself and me learning how to do the electronics myself, and that was a huge challenge. So I still write all my songs on a, on a guitar. Right. Verse, chorus, I sing, all that kind of stuff, but... It took me time to really learn how to how to really make my own electronic music. So there is help on the first album with that. It's an interesting kind of place to be as any kind of creative or artist where it's like, on the one hand, if you work with other people, you get all these outside perspectives. And of course, there's all these immediate, obvious benefits to that. But totally. you're still, you know, if somebody has the flu and they can't make it that day, you're like, oh, we don't have this person doing this. And so then on the other side, there comes a point as a creative where you're like, okay, well, I'm not a web designer, but I'm going to learn how to do a basic web design because I don't want to have to wait for this person or sure. do the graphic design. Or like, and you do it and you go, someone else could do this better, but at least now I'm not waiting on people. There's definitely that aspect where I didn't want to wait on anybody. Right. I wanted to have control over it. But now so on my next album, I'm doing most everything myself, and I've really come a long way as far as that goes. But I really, it has given me the control to make something sound the way I truly want it to sound. I don't, 
a lot of times I'm, I was kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of a control freak. Sure. To be honest. So, you know, when I write something, it's difficult for me sometimes to work with other people on, on the writing process or on the arrangement process. I love working and collaborating with other people in a production um, aspect. Sure. I okay. love having that other, as- that other point of view and uh, on production. But when it comes to the writing, the arrangement, that I'm very particular about and this has really empowered me as someone who's played when I was a kid, I was playing just in guitar and drum bands and it took me long enough to catch up to the future, but I'm finally here and I feel liberated by it. And I feel like in a lot of ways I've just begun to really explore what I can do as a musician, to be honest. Now that you're here, now that you're at this point where this is active, the first records out in the world. And I want to talk about that in a moment. Like, yeah, I guess building off what you just said, do you feel like, okay, now I've kind of finally like, set the whole table like let's eat i think that's exactly how i feel in a way i really feel like it took me this long to figure my (laughs) to figure this out i'm kind of like that sometimes where it it takes me a while to like figure things out but then once i do then it's sort of like full steam ahead and i'm in a place now where i really feel like the next album is a huge leap uh, as far as i'm concerned like for myself as an artist in what I could do, and you know, I was kind of just figuring things out on the first album, and um, and I had a lot of amazing help too on the first album from other people, and that helped me sort of figure things out. But now I I've got things in a much better place for me. So yeah, I'm so, like, let's eat, yeah, let's have the feast, the panic priest feast. <laughs> That's, that uh, sounds like that could be like your version <laughs> of like your annual Christmas, like sure. your Halloween, or, or not Halloween, but your Thanksgiving show. Yeah, it sounds like I have to do a lot of cooking, though, if I yeah, do that. Yeah, well, that's know. true. Yeah, maybe it'll be like a bring, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, there's a potluck there. <laughs> yeah, um, potluck. So the album was released, the self-titled album, the first album was released in 2008. Like, what was the response like to that? You um, mean uh, 2018? 2018, let's yeah. say. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. This was not 12 years ago, but it was two years ago. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, like where I am now, as a musician and where I like after everything I've gone through with my old mask and I'm just grateful to be making music. That's all I really care about. And that's all I really want to do. I'm not, I'm not looking to be like some superstar and I don't give a, I really don't care about that kind of stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I ever did, but when you're younger, sometimes you have these ideas. And, sure. So I was just happy that people liked the album. You know, um, I was just grateful that it found um, an audience and it spoke to some people and it's not a massive audience, but I don't care because the people that it's connecting with seem very connected to it. And that is the most important thing for me as an artist. And that's, that's, that's how I feel connected to people, you know, you know, you know, not every artist has to be like a Beyonce or Drake or right. Drake, but like they're, they're going to be like your grandmother likes Drake. You know what I mean? Right. Like everyone likes Drake. Sure. Everyone likes Beyonce and they're, you know, and it's warranted, and, but and absolutely. Yeah. But there's something valuable about having like, a hundred or a thousand or five thousand hardcore fans because if those people love your work and they're coming out and they're buying a t-shirt every time and they're filling up the venue every time and they're downloading the music or streaming it and they're sustaining you and you can keep making music and that's enough that's you can totally stay in the game i think that's an important message to send to musicians because i feel like so many musicians feel like unless they're some sort of massive superstar then it's not worth their time or they shouldn't be pursuing it or they I think that's a lot, there's a lot of societal preconceptions of, or uh, pressure on artists and musicians because it's like if you're not... It's number one or nothing. Yeah, and yeah. you wouldn't do that for any other profession. You wouldn't be like, 
What if you, we're not the number one pizza place right. in Chicago, then we're going to close down. Yeah. yeah. Or you wouldn't tell a plumber, you know, man, you're just, you're just not <laughs> you're the best plumber in plumber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you should just give up this plumbing thing. No, you wouldn't. Right. <laughs> no, that's true. You're Why, right. Like, and you wouldn't even say it necessarily to an actor or even other art types of performers or artists is something about music. Um, well, it's because music has like, I mean, it's not solely this, but it's like, we have these, you know, all the festival lineups, they're literally ranked by font size. Absolutely. You have yeah. billboard charts where literally it's number one, number two, number three. And right. I mean, movies have that too. Um, and movies have Rotten Tomatoes. Of course, sure. But like, I don't know, you don't go to like the museum and then the paintings are ranked by numbers. You're right. Absolutely. There's something about it. There's an immediacy with music and I think people connect to it immediately, but I think it's the way it's pushed. It's sort of, and it's the society thing. It's like, oh, um, are you... A professional musician, and or have you done this and that? Sure. And it's like, well, you know, I've I've done some pretty cool stuff. You know, right. I guess I guess all I care about is to be able to sustain myself, to be able to make music, because that's if I don't make music, I'll, I'll just go insane. So nobody wants that. So yeah, I think for like especially for people who have done any other crafts a long time, it's like the reward is almost just staying in the game. Exactly. Just being able to keep doing it. Right. And hey, if it gets better... Uh, don't get me wrong. If something better. great comes around, I'm here. Sure. It's just, that's not why I'm doing it. So right now you're working on the second full length. Uh, you know, what can you say about that? Tell us about that. Um, yeah, it's just like I said, I've sort of expanded the sound of Panic Priest. I've sort of honed in on, learned. I've learned more about what I'm doing. I'm working with Brian Fox who is just doing an amazing job with me. There's a couple guest appearances from other artists, but they're less of like a necessity because, oh, I need to finish this and don't know exactly how, and more because, no, I want another perspective or I want another creative element on this. Twin Tribes will have a guest appearance on there. Mm -hmm. Vincent from Wingtips will have a guest appearance on there. And actually, Greta has a little guest appearance on there from Michael Mess. Oh, that's Mets. so awesome. There's like a uh, song. I wrote all the songs and everything, but there's one song that uh, we co-wrote together that's going to be on that album. I don't know. I think there's always something people like to see about like, oh, cool, the people from the previous project are still cool. Because there's <laughs> you always hear stories about these bands where it's just like, God, was it... <sighs> Was it one of the guys from the Who who was just like, I don't give a shit that the other members are dead? Do you yeah. see that story? Like the, and like, <laughs> and you hate to see that. And like, I, I finished no, a no. rewatch of the show Community the other day. Yeah. And I looked up Community stuff online. I went down a rabbit hole and I found a commercial that was, you know, more recent. And they put Danny Putty or Putty and uh, Donald Glover in a commercial. And I was, you know, and it's twenty seconds, but you're like, oh my god, Troy and Abed, how Absolutely, cool! Absolutely, yeah. So that's nice to hear that you and Greta are still like on good terms, and you were able to collaborate again. That's Absolutely. Awesome. I mean, we, we were together many, many years, and you know, we're going to be friends. So that's great. Yeah, she had an idea that was laying around, and I uh, kind of convinced her to let me um, use it and expand on it, and she was happy with what I. How I what I did with it and everything. So. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Shout out Greta Rochelle, a longtime friend of the podcast. Now you mentioned um, wingtips, and this is one of the questions I wanted to ask. Mm-hmm. I don't want to put heavy quotes around this question, but like, sure. for lack of a better title, is there a burgeoning kind of like goth scene that's happening in Chicago? And again, for lack of a better title, <laughs> sure. It's like you look at Panic Priest, Wingtips, Feline. I think totally f- could fit in there. Replicant. Like, it feels like there is something that's starting to happen here. Well, I mean. Well, goth is a very... I know, it's, it's an imperfect term for sure. To me, it's like, because like, I wouldn't necessarily call any of those bands necessarily goth, you know. I think that maybe you could say something like 
dark wave or something like sure, that. And sure, I think sure. within that large umbrella, you have things like goth and like dark synth and like new romantic and post punk and right. you know, maybe like even dark Italo type disco, industrial, industrial pop. All of these things sort of cross over. I don't really care so much about what kind of when people ask me what my music is, I want to give them an idea, but I don't want to pin it because I, I combine a lot of different things. So right. so I say dark I say it's a dark wave project. There's elements of post punk, there's elements of you know new wave, there's elements of, of classic goth rock. because mm. uh, I love that stuff and I've grew up with that stuff. There's elements of like maybe industrial in parts, but there's also pop and there's also I came I, there's some indie, whatever you want to call it, elements, shoegaze elements. I draw from everything. But yeah. I but I do think there is to your point, there is something going on with <laughs> dark <laughs> right. music, whatever you want to call it. And I think it's always been there, you know, but I think things obviously are cyclical and sometimes it has to do with the times we live in and things like that and sure. the response to that and the way people respond to that. And you see it pop up even in pop culture. You see it in hip hop. You see it in pop. You see that dark mm-hmm. element sort of seeping into things. So that's why I think it's a little bit more than just some sort of a like a nostalgic revival. I think sure. that there's something in the air in our culture. <laughs> well, Not to and, get too philosophical. But. No, no, no. And I agree <laughs> with you. And it does feel like that is something that's starting to happen in Chicago because I'm seeing these bills and it's like you see the same names that are playing together again and again. And usually that means that there is some level of like interconnectivity. And, oh, definitely. You know, and obviously you mentioned that. It's kind of a vibe. Sure. It's kind of like a shared vibe. Coming, maybe we have all all of these bands you mentioned. We all approach it from a different angle. Absolutely, not remotely saying that but any of those bands heart, are like. There's something similar about the heart. Absolutely, yes. I think it. that's the best way to put it. Yeah. The dark heart. Yes. Yeah. There's a there's a black little heart there. <laughs> so you know, as someone who's done this a long time, though, you know, I've been a musician in Chicago for a long time. How do you view the scene and the community in Chicago? What does it mean to be an artist in Chicago right now? Is it easier than it was five years ago? Is it different than it was five or ten years ago? Or, you know, how do you view being active as a musician in you Chicago know, right now? I don't view it much differently than I ever did. I've changed as an artist, obviously. If you listen to all my projects, I've evolved. And because I don't, I get bored and I don't, I need to push myself as an artist. Yeah. And see what I can do. But, um, and it's also how I'm feeling at that point in time. Panic Priest came during also kind of like a dark personal time for me. Mm-hmm. So the songs and the sound reflected that. But as far as the scene in general in Chicago, I, it, there's something to me that's similar about it where it's supportive, but it's also, cha- it's also it pushes you. It, um, it challenges you to be in Chicago because I nothing's think given nothing is given to you in Chicago right. you have to sort of um you gotta I like pound the pavement and be at the shows and, and do the work and, yeah and that you know that might sound sort of like I don't know maybe that's not the right word like some sort of like elitist or capitalist type term I but no I, no I don't think you mean it like that but you no. have to do the work you do like if you're not out playing shows people are not going to recognize well, what you're doing or I, and not even just playing shows, but like if you're not active, yeah, I think if you're that, not contributing. I think Chicago is sort of, it's picky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you sure. know, it's, it's a little picky and it's also, it's important to people to know where you're coming from and, and sort of like you as an artist, where you're coming from and be part of everything on a, on a deeper level. But also it's, it's, it's a little picky. I mean, Chicago's, 
I don't want to use the term snobby, but you know, it can. It, we get some of the best artists in the entire world. Everybody comes through Chicago, and many, many of them are from here too. Many yeah. of them are from Chicago, and if they're not from Chicago, then they're going to play in Chicago. So sure. any given night, you're playing up against the best, right? No absolutely. matter where you are, you could be in a little dive bar. Whether the best means you're a crappy, you know, not crappy, like a a more loose punk band, whatever you want to call it, or it's a polished, whatever, this kind of project. Sure. You're going up against, you know, the things every single night here, and people are very music savvy here. It's This isn't a small town where people only where see... Where there's only one choice, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you've stayed here, so, like, was there any thought when you were like, okay, I'm going to kind of rebrand, I'm going to launch this new musical identity Maybe I should, you know, take this to L.A. Maybe I should take this to New York. Or did it always make sense to keep it here? Of course, there's always that thought in your head. Like, what could I do if I went to New York? What could I do if I went to L.A.? My issues with going to New York or things, something like that is I really feel like, like, like I told you earlier, my goal is to just be an artist and sustain being an artist as long as I can because that's right. what I love to do. That's how I'm happy. So if I went to New York, I really fear that I would just be spending all my time working constantly and not really have, just to survive and yeah. not really have time to even make music. I mean... It's the story of so many creatives and they have a they have a two-bedroom with four roommates and, you know, they're, everybody's working so many jobs they never exactly. see each other at the same time and it's and then there's, like, no time to write the novel that you wanted to do or exactly. work on your screenplay I've or seen whatever. it happen so many times. 100%. And, then, and it's a different story for everybody. I've seen people who move to L.A. and they love it. But I've seen people move to L.A. and they hate it. So my Same, whole yeah. thing is, is I feel like, for me, I'm not going to leave what I see as a beautiful, wonderful thing here in Chicago with, with the connections and the friends and the community that I've sort of become a part of just to chase this maybe other thing that might do this or might not do this. And you can be a working artist here and have a, a, a I think, enjoyable living experience can. and a manageable and it certainly you know has its expensive points and it's getting oh, yeah. more expensive but sure. you can still Every have a decent is, cost of living and that's true every place is becoming more expensive mm-hmm. i think you can still live really decently here and be creative in chicago you i can think do it's both. it's more it's feasible yeah certainly more than the coast yeah. and you know it's good for touring i mean you're centrally located and you can kind of get right. to anywhere so middle of everywhere absolutely. and i just love chicago i love the realness of chicago and you know, if I was like maybe like a twenty year old trust fund kid, then maybe I'd go move to New York and like well, everything would be easier. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I was talking to my doctor, but I love New. I was born in New York, so there is that part of me that's like that New York uh, kid still in me. But absolutely, uh, but yeah, I love Chicago. Everything would be easier if we were trust fund kids, man. Yeah, that's a good. <laughs> It'd be point. Gossip Girl. Yeah, you're right. Um, and Michael Mask was on Gossip Girl. You know, that is pretty dope. <laughs> yeah, man, that show was like the. We had three songs on Gossip Girl. That was like one of those like defining shows of that era yeah oh yeah totally absolutely (laughs) um man this is killer i'm really excited about the new record uh what else is on deck for you and and for panic priest in the new year in 2020 so i'm just getting together tour plans right now i have a video that i'm working on i've been talking i don't want to reveal too much but i've been talking to feline about actually styling that that's awesome she's great and oh i love yeah everything about justina and everything and you Mm -hmm. know justina and like my Gold Mask, we played back in the day, mm-hmm. too. And she's someone who's been on the podcast uh, a few different times. Right. Yeah, um, a lot so of love for her. Working on that, I'm really excited for the album. I've pushed the sound. It's still death, sex, and doomed romance. But, sure. But I've added a little bit of different flavors in there that weren't on the first album. There's a little bit of... 
I've expanded the sound. I've kept some of the dark romanticism and all that, but I've pushed the sound out into some other little areas. And I'm excited for that. And I'm just going to get tour plans together and just try to play as many shows as I can and uh, have fun, too, while I'm doing it. Because what's the point if you sure. don't have fun? If it's not fun, then why bother? <laughs> exactly. Uh, man, this is awesome. Panic Priest. People can check you guys out on all those streaming platforms, I assume. Yeah, it's on all that stuff. Spotify, Bandcamp, uh, Apple Music, all of it. I used to end interviews being like, you know, and what's the you know web address? But it's just like, honestly, Google is so good right now, and all the platforms have everything that it's like, if you just search Panic Priest, the good I bet thing you can about find Panic, absolutely everything. Yeah. The good thing about the name Panic Priest is nothing else comes up. Oh, that's <laughs> so valuable, man. That, yeah. that in and of itself is like one of those things you're like, okay, I've been in the game for a while. I know that I, ha- I need to have that good SEO. Yeah, it helps. Um, Jack Armando, Panic Priest. People should check out what you're doing and look for the new record this year, man. Thank you so much for taking thank time. Thank you so and, much, uh, I mean, It's always a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, and I love that we got to kind of have And I just want to say thank you to everyone that has supported me thus far and listened to my music. I can't tell you how much it means to me uh, and everyone that's helped me get this project off the ground, um, including, I didn't mention, Molly Snacks, yeah. who has been playing live since with me mm-hmm. in a lot of the Chicago shows. I wanted to give her a shout-out. That's awesome, man. All right, man. We will, I'm sure, check in again. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcasts. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the dynamic dynasty, Dynasty Descend.